Yeah, the Splendid Bohemians are back with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s, the program that brings you a 45 RPM record of note. And my partner, Bill Mesnick, and I, Bill in California, I'm Rich Buckland here in Florida, we deconstruct these recordings as well as the career of the artist who, uh, who initiated it. And the hope is that we bring you a land of hope and dreams in order to uh, understand further the importance and the gravity of this wonderful music. Bill, how are you, baby? I'm good, and, and um, you know, that was very eloquently stated. Why, thank and you. Today, we, we have a huge subject, and we're going to try and, you know, in our deconstruction, focus on one pivot point in this icon's career, the last man standing of the Million Dollar Quartet at age 86, Jerry Lee Lewis. And um, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna t take a back seat here because uh, there's no way I can uh, compete with your acumen on this. It's also one of those recordings that, uh kind of made me understand that there are two different worlds out there, the country world. Well, there's so many different worlds musically. But when, country, when rock and roll artists attempted to uh, stream over into the country field, we know the result that Ricky Nelson had when he did rock revival shows and performed Garden Party and was booed. And I attended one where Jerry Lee Lewis, having the biggest balls of any performer I'd ever known in front of 25,000 people, gives them a whole lot of shaking going on and then goes, I want to introduce my newest record, and goes into, would you take another chance on me? At which point the audience just begins talking amongst itself. But, but we uh, should say, okay, so the 45 is, would you take another chance on me, which made it to number one in the country chart and number 40 in the top 100 the b-side was bobby mcgee and um a very it, good version uh, of me and bobby mcgee which is also the year was album. 1971 yeah it was 71 but i will say one thing to start um i bought this record on your recommendation back in the 70s i bought it 1972 I had the album. yes and that was the first time I heard Swingin' Doors. And I've got swinging doors, a jukebox, and a bar stool. And my new home has a flashing neon sign. Stop by and see me anytime you want to. Cause I'm always here at home till closing time. But you told me way back in 1971 about this record, and I bought it. So thank you. I, for, firstly, it is so, it is so, uh, it, it is so nice to hear that these 
re that these recommendations played a part uh, in, in your life in this positive manner and have lasted so many years. And I am very grateful that I had you to share this with. Um, you Me were the, too. You were the first to understand the nature of the diversity that I tried to engage in musically. And uh, Yes, and as I've stated before, I had a certain resistance to country music. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, I, I was compelled to pick this record up. I think uh, the cover may have, of the album had something to do with it, it's with Jerry holding those dyes. With, and the, the young woman in the background. Yes, blurred. the glamorous woman right. in the background. Yeah. It's a compelling photograph. Yeah, yeah. And um, trying to meld the rock audience into the country audience uh, was a, a really hard uh, task to achieve. But interestingly, I think I was attracted to Jerry Lee's country uh, music because there's something they call hard country. And, you know, Jerry Lee always, he never lost the balls, he never lost the flair. He never lost the rockin', you know, boogie-woogie instincts. So even though he was crooning, there was always this rhythmic, um, you know, energy. And you watch those clips of him, even when he's playing ballads, he's, you know, giving you these hand gestures off, off the keyboard and the piano. He's just... He loves to kind of show off, well, and he's, was, uh, sure. he's fantastic. Always moving and grooving, as, as the uh, clip from the Steve Allen show provides, kicking that stool, uh, <laughs> regardless of where it would land on, on who it was land, would land, and very funny clip when he does it on the Steve Allen show, and Steve Allen takes the piano stool and throws it back at Jerry Lee in the middle of uh, in, in, the, in the middle of his performance. So the saga actually begins with the story that you wanted to share about oh, why Jerry lost his career, seemingly lost his career altogether to begin with. Myra Gale Brown. How old was Myra? Thirteen. So lovely. And she was related to him, was she not? <laughs> yes. And then what Cousin, did right? what did Jerry make the mistake of doing? What? What did Jerry make the mistake of doing? Marrying her? Ad admitting it to the press. Yes. Well, <laughs> On newsreel okay. footage. I guess that that jives with the theory that um, you know it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't admit it. Um, we know. Uh, a president that, you know, does pretty well with that. But um, they had one daughter, Phoebe. Yes. Born in 1963. And, and so uh, they, they made it together. Um, they divorced in 1970 and married in 1958, so 12 years. A pretty and, good... you know, when she divorced him, she married <laughs> the detective that she hired to trace him and um, you know his name was uh, Pete Melito. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, though, right? I mean, that's not the first time that's happened. Or, yeah, you I know. guess you know, you you, get detective. It's an intimate relationship. You fall in love with the person that is uh, doing the spying for you, 
and has yeah. given you back your 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 life. Um, here's where this subject began to get uh, more fascinating to me. Ken Burns produced a 10-hour or more documentary on country music. And as I've stated multiple times to you, I found it a regrettable omission that Jerry Lee Lewis was not mentioned once in the framework of this program. Um, Strange. So many people got their due. Um, and I'm not going to suggest that anyone presented in their in, in that program was cited that should not have been cited, but I will state that the accomplishment uh, the accomplishment of Jerry Lee's rock and roll career moving into the country comeback is extraordinary. Uh, and in, for anyone who listened to those recordings between 1967 and 1975, uh, and even some in the 80s when we're getting into middle-age crazy, um, produce a body of work wherein he covers some of the greatest standards in the history of country music uh, and does them in a way that only Jerry Lee could do them because as Jerry Lee has stated, his three influences, he says there's only three. There's Jimmy Rogers, there's Hank Williams, and there's Al Jolson. Um, which we discussed in our Al Jolson podcast. In our Al Jolson podcast. which. But, you know, um, as was pointed out in some article that I was reading, he's always been country. The first record he cut for Sun Records was Crazy Arms. Oh, yeah, so um, 300,000 copies. And, of course, Hank Williams, You Win Again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for Sun. He's always had the country heart, but he was conflicted, and in those um, one in those incredible recordings that Sam Phillips uh, produced with the chatter, where Jerry Lee says, "This is the devil's music. I can't sing this." Regarding rock and roll, he lets you know that uh, he felt that. For religious reasons, he could not perform rock and roll. So what country? I think he's somewhat like Ray Charles in the sense that, you know, he he put the boogie woogie into gospel recordings, like when he was in Bible school, and he made a, a, an appearance in a church singing "My God Is Real" at the church assembly in a boogie woogie rendition. Um, he he. He was one of those progenitors of that um, that style. But he did not cross over. He did not cross over into uh, the mainstream charts because other 60s country artists did and others did not. So if you consider the top 60s country artists, you've got George Jones, Roger Miller, Buck Owens, Marty Robbins, Tammy Wynette, of course, Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash, and the amazing, and this we'll do a story another time, Glenn Campbell. Uh, well, now, Bonnie, it seems this how everyone knows him now. Suddenly they have found some 
the majority of them had crossover recordings. Uh, Jerry Lee did not have a crossover. All of his hits were within the Billboard country charts. The, the comeback begins with Smash Records. And the frustration he had with Smash is that they were just re-recording a lot of his older stuff as they were releasing uh, material by Charlie Rich and uh, Walk Away Renee by the, uh, by the Left Bank. So there's, yeah. you know, stu- it's all over the place. But once he hit, um, the producer, the Smash producer, Shelby Singleton, repackaged all his old country recordings called One Minute Past Eternity and made it to number two. He So he he uh, capitalized on Jerry Lee's country success. Well, it was Eddie Kilroy who was the promotional manager for Smash, and Jerry was going to leave Smash. And um, he pitched the idea of Jerry just cutting a pure country record. And in Nashville... And they had, at this point, it's, you know, it's rolled the dice. He got nothing to lose. Um, he's still feeling the effects of, uh, of the scandal with the uh, teenage bride. So you've got, in, on March 9th, 1968, the release of, to everyone's amazement, a song called Another Place, Another Time. Well, that room of mine be alone. Place to be after I've been holding you so close to me, and won't that old stairway be a little hard to climb to a lonely room to wait for another place, another. which shoots all the way up the country charts. Um, You've got Jerry Kennedy producing, and Jerry Kennedy knew just what to do with Jerry Lee Lewis. And what followed was a string of hits that nobody could have figured were were, were going to be coming. And uh, it, it was a conversion that looked like a radical shift, but it was neither. As you say, he had been a part of the country scene for, for a very long period of time. Um, he had always recorded country music. But between 1968 and 77, Jerry had 17 top 10 hit singles on the Billboard country chart, including four chart toppers. And one of the things I love about country is the honesty. So here's, here's a title for you. What made Milwaukee famous made a loser out of me. And one of the great titles. One of the great titles, one of the great songs. To make love sweeter for you. She still comes around to love what's left of me, which still (laughs) shatters me. I know I'm not a model husband, although I'd like to be. But payday nights. And painted women, they do strange things to me. But when 
the party's over And the good is all she sees Though I let her down She still comes around To love what's left of me The opening line, I know I'm not a model husband, although I'd like to be, but payday nights and painted women, they do strange things to me. But when the party's over and the good is all she sees, though I let her down, she still comes around to love what's left of me. Well, at that particular point, I'm sold. That's his. Yes. That's Jolson and Hank Williams and an entire roster of performers going back to jazz all at the same time. And uh, he had never sounded better, and he had never sounded sweeter. So uh, when I had this experience at Madison Square Garden, seeing no one respond, but yet knowing the records are selling to the audience that they should be selling to, and then all these years later, I guess the Ken Burns documentary was what? About two years ago now. And not hear a mention of him. Uh, it really rattled me because I felt as if he was more than deserving of a honorable mention to say the very Did least. you write an angry email? No, I don't write angry emails. It doesn't, it doesn't serve any purpose. And I must protest. I must protest. And you're protesting. It would be like me telling Ken Burns that he left out a couple of substantial moments in the Muhammad Ali documentary that uh, I, I, I just finished the eight hours of Ali. And as you know, I am an, uh, a student of the life of Muhammad Ali as well. And there, I, I have some conflicts with a few of the... Uh, pieces of information imparted, some of which is made up for in the Netflix documentary Blood Brothers about the relationship between Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali. But no one's ever given Jerry Lee that type of credence. There should be a documentary just about Jerry Lee's. uh, You've got the movie Great Balls of Fire with Dennis Quaid. Which was an adaptation from uh, Myra's book. It's an adaptation, but it doesn't do it. It doesn't tell you. Well, anything. you would think if it's Myra's book, it, it must be, uh, you know, a little skewed. And also, it's about Jerry Lee Lewis, so they want to make him look as insane as they possibly can. Yeah. Um, do you remember what year that was? Great Balls of Fire. That's going back. That's really, it is going, going back. back. That's when Dennis Probably early nineties yeah. when Quaid had a career and he was still a Democrat or something. Um, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, yeah Dennis Quaid. Um, is is his brother still alive? Is Randy Quaid still alive? Yes, he's in, up in Canada, I think. So is he? I think the cops were looking for him. Yeah, the so, cops were looking for him. But I saw the last detail recently, and I was saying to myself, Oh, Man, great film! What a great, great movie. film! What a great movie! And what a great performance by Randy Quaid. Yeah, I was going to nominate that as um, I, the Splendid Boho. Yeah, it was in my mind as well. Randy, were you thinking about that too? I was absolutely thinking about it. Okay, well, well we can discuss that. But. Um, what I discovered after all these years with, with Jerry Lee, there are some performers that never overstay their welcome. Um, there's just so, there are so many songs and such a variety of material, including his, his wonderful gospel album. And I think it's 
probably the best gospel album by any country artist other than, and we can make the case, that Elvis, too, was a country artist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So the Captain Billy episode that you did, his hand in mine, I'd say stands up there. Uh, That would be number one, and Jerry Lee's gospel album would be number two for me. That was a revelation, uh, re-listening to that and writing about it. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, if you really listen to the roots, the, the, the roots of country, the roots of gospel, what Jerry Lewis, what, what, Jerry, what Jerry Lewis, what Jerry Lewis <laughs> is saying is... Um, great balls of fire. Great ball- <laughs> There's a whole lot of shaking. Don't shake. So you got this this country career that um, begins in 19... There, there's a recording on Smash where you know that things aren't going Jerry's way. It's called Soul My Way, in which Jerry attempts to revive some of the hits of the day and the past. But then he jumps right into, in 68, another time, another place. Uh, and the albums keep rolling from there, and there's not one in that batch between 68 and 75 that I don't appreciate greatly, including She Still Comes Around to Love What's Left of Me, Jerry Sings the Country Music Hall of Fame, Volumes 1 and 2, The Golden Cream of Country, She Even Woke Me Up to Say Goodbye, a great cover by Jerry Lee, incidentally, of, of that incredible Mickey Newberry song. There must be more love than this, touching home, and of course, would you take another chance on me? Who's going to play this old piano? Oh, man. On which there is a song that I never grow weary of, entitled The Mercy of a Letter. Change your mind, you better think about that, darling. Mm-hmm. I might think you still love me in spite of a knowing a better. The little hole I'm clinging to is the murder to the night. Run together and cover all the words of love. They did forever. Oh, yes, darling, I'm the killer, but I am human. The mercy of what? The mercy of a letter. And, uh, yeah, Jerry's brought more than a tear to my eye. And when I think of the fact that he is the last man standing, and speaking of last man standing, there is a fabulous uh, song written by 
someone I never thought was going to grow into such a tremendous songwriter, Mick Jagger, called Evening Gown. That is on hmm. an album called Last Man Standing, and it's a duet, Jerry Lee Lewis and Mick Jagger. Nice. Yeah, pl- let's, let's play a little of that right now. People say you're a drinker, but I guess over half the time. Mm-hmm. People say. see what's happening here and that's well you know it's interesting um when we did the jolson podcast and we talked about jerry lee's affinity for jolson and we talked about the the gashry the cry and the voice uh you really hear it in uh you know when he's doing his country thing especially uh, he actually in an interview with dick cabot that i was watching he was talking about he got all that from also from the singing brakeman um jimmy rogers and uh and uh the yodel he mm-hmm. called it the yodel and uh he does that and you can hear it and would you take another chance on me so oh yeah oh yeah along with that. along with the theatrics of sunny boy and mammy i mean he's getting on one knee he's yeah. begging her to take another chance as, Absolutely. As he Think did. about it, darling. Think about it, darling. And, and, and that became a catchphrase for him for a while. Think about it, darling. Um, he, he, he just wants to make amends. He wants to repent. It's that salvation that Jerry Lee Lewis has always sought. It's that conflict. He's always had this hanging over his his head musically and personally that created such a uh, conflicting life, including the deaths he's associated with, uh, wherein some people to this day even, you know, uh, in, in indicate he might have had something to do with the death of a wife or two. So the nickname... A wife or two? A wife or two. So the nickname wow. The Killer... Uh, doesn't I, I never use that when I when I refer to to Jerry Lee. I, I find oh that uh, somewhat somewhat gossipy in, in in a lot of ways. But he he used it himself. And he said, I'm, "I'm the killer. I'm the killer." <laughs> sort of like William Burroughs. Sort of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> William Bar- What did he use? He he did the Robin Hood yeah. bit, right? Yeah. yeah. But he did it not with a bow and arrow. He did it with a handgun. With a shotgun, the, right? With a gun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. handgun. And Apple he did on the head. Yeah, and he didn't. He, he does, shoots William his Tell. shoots yeah. his wife. William Tell shoots his wife in the head and doesn't doesn't go to jail. Amazing. Well, yeah, it is one of the one of the more amazing. You wouldn't think that beat writers would have that kind of uh, of, of of ability to skirt the law. 
But um, things were different back then. We, <laughs> we had a lot of excuses for a lot of things, and people listened to them. <laughs> Nobody's listening to excuses anymore. There are no, there are no excuses. So, uh, yes, so, yes, uh, Mr. Burns, I wish you had included Jerry Lee, but um, hopefully one day someone will make, will make a documentary uh, regarding the uh, amazing fall from grace and then the rise from grace. And, you know, the funny thing about this marriage is the, how, how old was Loretta Lynn when she married her husband, who I think... Probably around the same age. She was the same age. She was the same yeah. age. Um, there in are, other cultures and other times, that was perfectly acceptable. It was per- yes, but suddenly everybody got irate, and particularly, I guess, when the information blew up, he was in England. And yes, they, and you know, you saw those photographs of him and her together. <laughs> He's always got this little smirk. <laughs> well, it's, it's he. He had a secret. He knew what the secret was. He was told there would be problems in revealing this, but went ahead, and after all the questions and after all the scrutiny, after everyone knowing it's not his daughter, uh, he's, he's, he's too young and she's too young, um, he finally answered the question. And in answering yeah. the question, went from... Uh, Twenty thousand dollars a night to five hundred dollars a night or less, playing Crazy. playing uh, local clubs when he returned to the United States. Suddenly, everybody's so judgmental. Yeah, yeah, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, you can't, you know, you can't elevate your rock and roll monsters and then beat them down, you know, when you know on a whim. No, I mean, especially if you take into consideration what was going on in the 60s. You have to figure, you have to... <laughs> well, this was the 50s, right? This, yeah. was, this was the 50s. So yeah. let's go into, there was no summer of love in the late 50s. No, so no, no one no, was talking about... It was the about, Eisenhower era. The Eisenhower, people were still talking about the Kinsey Report and the Chapman Report. And, you know, you've got all these sexual studies coming out and people are still trying to make heads or tails of what... They weren't having um, key parties. No, they weren't. They, they were. Remember key parties? <laughs> I'm trying to put the reference together, but I'm, I'm coming up with something else. What were key... Is, is, key parties is what uh, with group sex in the suburbs where people would come. Is that and what you put they put your call- car keys into a bowl or something, and someone would pick it out, and then then you'd go off with someone else's wife. Oh, wasn't that dramatized in the uh, in that series on the uh, Ice Age? Right, I think it was in the Ice Age of that film. No, not the Ice Age. There was a show with Michael Sheen. Based on the couple. Oh, Masters and Johnson. Masters and no. Johnson, yes. Yeah, Masters, Masters and Johnson. Masters and Johnson, yes. How quickly we forget. There All we, kinds of shit were going on every, <clears> back every, then. Doing sexual studies, and people are still trying to figure out what's going on. So by the time the 60s roll around, um, can you possibly imagine? Well, the. <laughs> can you possibly imagine? You're getting off on a tangent. What would have happened? <laughs> If young women, 14 and 13-year-olds, would have called out Robert Plant and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix, 
none of that was was going to take place. None of that. Don't forget was, Jim Jim Morrison. Don't people can't forget Jim Morrison. Although, interestingly enough, the association with Jim Morrison and his affairs is more closely identified with Nico, who was older. Oh. So, um, and, and but Jackson Brown, he was sixteen or seventeen. Right. When he was hooked up with Nico, who I think hooked up with everyone. So it could have worked the other way. So all of a sudden, you know, know, Nico's a slut. I mean, what are we... we, These are the... I don't hear Jackson Brown bad-mouthing Nico. No, I don't hear Jackson... No. That's probably the highlight of the... That that's yes. the quote. Well, you know, I mean, it's a double standard. Yes, it is a double standard, my friend. It is a double standard. But in any case, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, will you take another chance on Jerry Lee? We're going to do that right now. We're going to spin this beauty. Would you take another chance on me, Jerry Lee Lewis? Yeah, but I promise you to straighten up and put my life in order. If I swear to you, woman, on bending knees, I won't hurt you again. If I become the kind of man that you The good Lord knows I've done you wrong I've asked him to forgive me Deep inside I think he would, darling If you could do the same If I could take back all the things that woman for hurting you but God can't you see I'm sorry if you were only mine again I'd make it up to you but my Think about it, darling. 
It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful it thing. It is. Think about it, darling. Think about it, darling. And you, I just imagine him on one knee right in front of her. And he's just, <laughs> he's just, he's crying. He's so beautiful. And I guess you have to uh, credit um, Jerry Kennedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, he understood that this is an audience that desires that type of emotion, that desires that type of sentiment that can be that corny and get away with it, uh, not just get away with it, but it's, it's Shakespearean in the nature of how their emotional flow of this music ran. And you listen to the song titles of so many of the George Jones records and so many of the country records of, of the day, and even, I guess, up to today, uh, where they still make an effort. Um, but wow, back then it was no holds barred, you know. Bill, she still comes around to love what's left of me. That's when women were women, goddammit. It's a sweet sentiment. <laughs> it's a sweet sentiment. And then he follows it up with this beautiful ballad to make love sweeter for you. So, Jerry Lee, we love you. We hope that you are in, in the best health you possibly can be. We thank you for decades and decades of astounding uh, music and uh, a, a remarkable career, regardless of how much of a, of a son of a bitch many people proclaim that you could be, but certainly not nearly as bad as Chuck Berry. You'd have to say this is two careers. Yeah, it's two careers. It's probably more than, it's probably more than two. If we look at the Sun record years as being a distinct... Uh, sound all into itself. That's one career. Then you've got him rolling once again uh, into the remakes of those songs live at the Star Club in uh, in Hamburg. Which some people call the greatest live album ever made. Ever made, yes. And uh, then he goes back and starts recording rock and roll again and records with Mick Jagger and a variety of other artists on a wonderful record called Last Man Standing. So uh, it's the Jerry, there you have part of the Jerry Lee Lewis story uh, in, a, uh, in a condensed version and we hope we've enlightened you a bit and it will inspire you to listen to a little more Jerry Lee and Bill you'll, you know, well, we'll you'll, you'll give the fans some, some fine clips of uh, Jerry and some other artists. Absolutely. And uh, what can I tell you, my friend? I can tell you that we've got some Captain Billy to look forward to. Where's the Captain What's going? What's coming up next? Which one do you think is going to be coming up next? Dr. John? You got it. Dr. John coming up on Captain Billy's Magic 8-Ball. Where he digs That's a good one. Digs right place, deep. right time. Right place, right time. And the Captain goes into his... Eight-track eight track treasure trove, and uh, picks out a cart that uh, you will you will adore as we present in high definition, and builds higher than high definition insights into the recording itself. And we have another episode of and the splendid boho goes to coming up as well, where we feature the motion picture network. And yeah, you'll figure out who gets that boho.
So enjoy. So enjoy, my friends. The hits keep coming, and we will see you soon with another episode of Put on a Stack of 45s. Thank you, gang. Bye-bye. God bless the boys from Memphis. Blue suede shoes and Elvis. Much too soon he left this world in tears. They tore up the fifties. Old Jerry Lee and Charlie. And go cat go still echoes through the years. You know the heart of country music still beats and Luke the Drifter. You can tell it when he sang I saw the light. Old Marty Hank and left Why I can feel him right here with me on this silver eagle rolling through the night. Who's gonna fill their shoes? Who's gonna stand that tall? And the Wabash Cannonball Who's gonna give their heart and soul To get to me and you Lord, I wonder Who's gonna fill their shoes Yes, I wonder Who's gonna fill their shoes